Um, if we are loved by God, where everything we sang about, then our primary concern should be God's kingdom. VBS is building God's kingdom. It's part of it. Um, so I'm confident in the Lord that you will. Well, we're going to begin a new series in the book of Philippians. We've talked about the fruit of the Spirit, living out the fruit of the Spirit. And I know last week's message was, was a little tough about examining yourself and testing yourself. And um, thank you for coming back. <laughs> um, this week, I really hope you're going to be encouraged and you're going to be strengthened. As Paul says, on the inner being, um, all that we sang is really the focus of today. Who are we? Who are we? So let's stand. We're going to pray. We'll read God's word and we'll talk about God's word. Father, we thank you that your blood will never, ever lose its power. We thank you that it was your shed blood on our behalf that made us children of God, gave us the ability to call you our good, good father. And you are a good father, a father who will never leave us nor forsake us, a father who strengthens us in every way, who has every good gift, every good gift for his children. And so, Father, we ask today that as we, one of those gifts of which you give us is that you reveal yourself to us. You make yourself known to us. And so, Father, as we open up, as it were, what you give us today, may we be strengthened on the inside. May we be encouraged, Lord God. May Christ be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. A very simple passage today, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I hope that came up right because I don't see it. There we go. Perfect. Just to give you a little background on Philippi, the city of Philippi, or the book of Philippians. The, the town of Philippi is located in Macedonia, which would be Greece. It was named after Philip of Macedonia, who was the father of Alexander the Great. It's a, it was a Roman city. It had all the privileges of Roman citizenship. They didn't pay taxes, right? That's a great benefit of being a Roman, right? Um, they were afforded due process under the law. And they, of course, enjoyed what historians have called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. The book was written about 60 AD. It's what is called a prison epistle. Now, when you hear about the, the, the prison epistles, we've probably been taught in the church that uh, Paul wrote them from Rome. He may have, he may not. Be honest, there's probably more evidence that he wrote it from Caesarea as opposed to Rome, given distance and time of the letters and other letters and all that. But it's neither here nor there. God's not going to go, oh, you got the city wrong. Um, it Really, it doesn't matter. But he did write it from prison. It's called a friendship letter or a fellowship letter. To read about 
all that happened or how Philippians came about, look to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is, the, is where he, uh, Paul and, and Barnabas come from, the Jerusalem council. It's where he hears the Macedonian call, where he has a vision of a man from Macedonia uh, uh, saying, come here and preach to us. It's where he goes out and he finds a place of prayer. And he meets a woman named Lydia who becomes uh, uh, just beneficial in, in, in the spread of the gospel. Uh, it's there that a girl with a, a spirit that, that foretells things who was following Paul and, and Barnabas saying, these are men of the most high God, listen to them. Now that sounds like a good thing to say, but the Bible tells us after many days, Paul was irked in his spirit and he rebuked her and cast that spirit out and that landed him in jail and we know the story of the Philippian jailer. We're at the midnight hour, where it's Paul and Silas, by the way. I'm sorry, I said Barnabas. We're beginning to sing praises, and they soon, as my old friend Steve Wallace says, and soon they felt God's power. And God released them. Uh, the Philippian jailer came to Christ. That's all Acts chapter 16. Just a little bit of background, which is important stuff, but not primary stuff. I want to look today, and it's been quite a while since we've had points. Most of the sermons have been pointless. Today we have three points. Servants, saints, and salutation. And they're all alliterated, right? To the great joy of John Oach. That's not why I do it. Some people, you know what? It's actually a very good challenge in preaching to make it all fit that way. It does help for memory. But let's look at the idea of servants. Paul writes, Paul and Timothy. Now, what does that tell us right there? Let's just stop before we even get to the word servants. Paul and Timothy. It tells us that somehow Timothy was a co-author of Scripture. We say, as Paul wrote in Philippians. Yes, well, Paul wrote it. Why? How is he a co-author? Some scholars say that Timothy was his amanuensis. He was his secretary that Paul spoke and Timothy wrote down. It could be that Timothy contributed it. We do know this, that Paul eventually sends Timothy to Philippi to help the church. But he ties themselves together closely to the church in Philippi. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Servants of Christ Jesus. The word servant is doulos. Perhaps you've heard this. It means slave. It's pertaining to be in a state, uh, pertaining to a state of being completely controlled by someone or something, subservient to or controlled by. Of course, that's the Greek English lexicon, the standard across the board for uh, all scholars, even liberal scholars. But how did a person become a slave? And remember, slavery here is probably not the same as uh, early American slavery, which is, which is just the worst kind. A person here either became a slave through warfare, your nation was conquered, and you became a slave to the other nation. That's bad slavery. You could have been sold into slavery. Sometimes people sold their children into slavery because they could not afford to keep them, and it would actually give their child a better life. Some become slaves voluntarily. 
Maybe you, you were a person who grew up in slavery. You were sold into slavery. Your father was a slave. Uh, your mother was a slave. You were born. You automatically became a slave. Now, again, it's the idea more of servitude as opposed to slavery. We cannot mix up the, um, our American idea of slavery with the biblical idea of slavery. And some would become voluntarily. God put it into place that people could become free after so many years. And if they didn't want to become free, they said, I love my master. I love my wife and I love my kids. I'm going to be yours forever. And in Exodus 21, verses 1 to 6, it talks about how they would go to the door. They would have their ear pierced and they would forever belong to that master. Paul was of that genre. He was called by God, yes, but he dedicated. He said, I love my master, and he gave himself completely. The fact is, is we are all servants or slaves. We are either slaves to Jesus Christ, or we're slaves to the sin, the flesh, or the kingdom of Satan. They're all the same. We're one or the other. There is no middle ground. Scripture does not allow for middle ground whatsoever. And there is but only one way to be free from the tyranny of sin. There is only one way of escaping the snare of the devil who has enslaved you to do his will. It's the person and the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. It is the only way to be free from sin. And I would ask you all today, I don't know you all, have you asked God to forgive you of your sin? Have you asked God to apply to you the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be credited to your account so that your account balance before God is zero? Are you living right now in willful sin? Are you living in a way that you know is contrary to what God would have? I would ask you, are you presuming on the mercies of God? Are you struggling with sin today? Are you presuming on the mercies of God? You know what? I hope you are not presuming on the mercies of God. It's a bad thing to presume on the mercies of God, Scripture tells us. See, the mercy of God is not a get-out-of-jail card. Rather, the mercy of God is meant to lead us to repentance. And repentance is what leads a person to freedom from sin and into servitude to Christ which is the highest form of freedom anyone can have. I would ask you today, are you free today? Are you free in Christ Jesus today? If not, why? Would you today, even right now in your heart, ask God to free you from your own self, from your own sin, and from the snare of the devil? And he will welcome you into his kingdom forever and ever. He says, servants of Christ Jesus. Servants of Christ Jesus. Servants of Christ Jesus give full allegiance to Jesus and the purposes of his kingdom. Jesus was speaking in Luke chapter 14, and we read this. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What? Jesus said, unless you hate 
Well, we need to understand what Jesus is saying. He doesn't actually mean hate, because later on in Jesus' own scriptures, John says that if you hate your brother, you can't be in the kingdom of God. It's not hatred. He's saying in comparison to if you love people more than you love me, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my servant. I have to be preeminent in your life. Isn't that really our great battle? Isn't that our great struggle? That I love so many things. My affections are are pulled in so many different directions. I mean, how often... It's so easy to get so caught up in the busyness of the day that there's but a minute or two for Jesus. You know, there's actually even called a one-minute Bible, like one-minute devotion. It's, it's a real thing. It's like it's a horrific thing. Like Jesus gets one Hey, thank you for my life and eternal life. You're a good, good father. Hey, you get one minute and an hour on Sunday. It's the Lord's day, not the Lord's hour, as Elder Mike says so correctly. Jesus says, in comparison to me, you need to love me more than anyone else. Not that you hate, but that you love me more than anyone else. Jesus also said, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Paul, when he's getting ready to leave, the, 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 the elders in Ephesus, it says they gathered and they prayed. And he says, Paul says this in Acts 20, 24, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, I am sold out to one purpose and one purpose only to finish the course and the ministry that the Lord Jesus Christ gave for me. What does the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tell us? To run our race with perseverance, to finish the course, see it through to the end. Peter Writing to his audience says this in 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And realize that my life is not my own. That I am not conform to this world. Conforming to this world will guarantee you a place in hell. Now, it's not that I don't conform to the world and I'm guaranteed to a place in heaven because I was a good boy or a good girl. No, it's because I've submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That guarantees you heaven. There is but one name given amongst men by which you may be saved, the Lord Jesus Christ. A servant of Jesus Christ is devoted fully to him. A true servant of Jesus Christ realizes what is valuable in this world. Jesus tells us very plainly in Mark chapter 8, verses 36 to 37, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? What can you give in exchange for your life? Nothing. Nothing. That's why Jesus redeemed you and brought you by his own blood. 
A true servant of Jesus Christ is never ashamed of his or her master. Are we ashamed of Christ? If we're ashamed of Christ, we don't want to talk about Christ. We don't want to bring him. It's uncomfortable to bring him up in the workplace. It's uncomfortable. How are we? Remember last week we learned how are we to walk, that we are to walk as children of light, to be an exposing manner, to bring truth into this world, to expose the deeds of darkness, not in some, hey, you, you sinner, boom, 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 and pointing everything out, but in a way that cares about their eternal state. I care about your soul. I want you to be in heaven. Jesus said, whoever's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. I mean, adulterous and sinful generation. I mean, how it's only gotten worse, hasn't it? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in glory with his Father and with his holy angels. That's a scary thing. You know, Peter heard those words, didn't he? And then Peter went and he denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. But by God's grace, he restored him three times, didn't he? So maybe you have. I have. I'm just not going to say nothing. I don't want the trouble. I don't want to. It's just going to be uncomfortable. We've probably all done that. It is not the unpardonable sin. A true servant of Jesus Christ gives full allegiance to Christ and to his kingdom and realizes what is truly valuable and is not ashamed of Jesus Christ because they know that through the shed blood of Christ on their behalf, that besides the title of servant, you also have the title of saint. Of saint. Right? Normally you would think, you hear, Saint Paul. St. Paul wrote this, St. Paul this, St. Peter that. The Bible calls us saints. Listen to what he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons. The word saint is the word hagios. It means holy, set apart. Did you know that you are holy? And that you are set apart if you are in Christ Jesus. If you are a servant of Christ Jesus, then you are a saint in Christ Jesus. Alec Motyer, in the message of Philippians, and the Bible speaks today, a commentary series uh, uh, edited by the late John Stott, says this, By itself, saint might suggest self-effort resulting in self-improvement. Costly effort, reaching loftier heights of living. It might, in fact, suggest the unbiblical meaning given to the word in ecclesiastical and popular use. But in reality, the Christian's position of saint involves a reorientation away from self and towards Christ. You are called to be in Christ Jesus. You are called to be a saint. Do you believe that God has called you to be a saint in Christ Jesus? A servant of Christ Jesus and a saint in Christ Jesus. Understanding the word in, it's because of what he has done for you that you have the title saint. Saint. 
You were called to this. It should be a humbling thought to us to think that the God of the universe has called you by name. You were called. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, in his introduction, he says, including you who were called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Alex Motyer also says this, God's call is not an invitation awaiting our response, but an authoritative summons. His royal edict of conscription, bringing us into a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When God calls you, there is only but one option. Yes, Lord, here am I. Yes, Lord, here am I. Have you been called by God? Has he been calling you? Are you resisting his call? The book of Hebrews today would tell us, today if you hear his voice, if you hear his call, do not harden your hearts. You were called to be a saint. Peter tells us this in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The call of God is a command to walk in light. Again, Ephesians 5.8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Set apart. Set apart from the world. Different from the world. Not conforming to your former passions. Not conforming to the lore and the, and, 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 and the drawing of this world, which is powerful. No question about it. If we think our one hour of a couple hours of youth group on a Friday night or a one hour on Sunday is going to overcome the lore of cable TV or Netflix or whatever, Amazon Prime or what, you're kidding yourself. It's just too overwhelming. That's why it is imperative that we walk in the light. Walking in the light which is the clarity of Scripture through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, repeatedly tells us that God loves us, that we really are blessed and highly favored by, God, by the God of the universe. The clarity of the light of the love of God tells us that no matter how we have failed, no matter how badly we have forgotten that we are servants and saints, that we are servants of and saints in Christ Jesus, that when we come to our Heavenly Father in the name of Christ, that when we come in humility of spirit with a broken and a contrite heart, His salutation to us is always grace and peace. How incredible is that? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Grace, we know what it is. It's karse. It means unmerited favor. I've done nothing to deserve God's favor. Actually, I've done everything to deserve his wrath, his just wrath. It's the reality. Yet, he gives me his unmerited favor. I can never come to the table of Christ thinking that I have brought something to the table. The only thing that I have brought is my sin, which put his son on the cross. That's the only thing that we bring to the table. And you know what? God willingly accepts. He says, bring it because I'm going to cover it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to remove it from you as far as the east is from the west. Grace is God's unmerited favor for us. Romans 5.8 tells us, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why we were still sinners at enmity with God. Paul puts it another way. We were, we were walking around hating and being hated. And yet God called us. He shows his love for us, his grace, his unmerited favor for us, and that Christ died for us. Died on my behalf, died on your behalf. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We were in Marriage Matters last night, and I would encourage you to sign up for that. You can email Len, Len at BibleBaptist.net. Um, we get you hooked up with that. We were talking about love and living in a, in, in a graceful way in your marriage. And, 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 and it, it struck me, uh, you know what? I can't show grace to anybody if I don't love them. It's just impossible. I can't be gracious if I don't actually love you. You say, well, you were kind to me. You were nice. No, I was, pro- I was probably just being, you know, there's, a, there's an example in the book about a guy who gives an old lady uh, a dollar because she was 70 cents short at the checkout counter. And somebody goes, oh, that was a really great thing. He goes, no, it wasn't. She was in my way. I gave her the fastest way to get her in my way was to give her a dollar. She thought I was being nice, but I'm really just a selfish jerk, right? How many times have we been like that, right? We're laughing because we're convicted, right? But if I really love you, I'm really committed to you. I'm going to be gracious to you. God loves you. God loves us. God is fully committed to us. It's never a question of who's all in. Christ is all in. We are always the ones where it's, huh, are we in or are we not? He loves us, and he's gracious to us, and he gives us grace and grace and grace. As Paul wrote to the church in, sec- in, in, in Corinth in 2 Corinthians, he says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so, that you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, you might abound in every good work. You see, God in his grace wants you to succeed in the kingdom of God. He doesn't call you out of darkness and into his wonderful light to set you up to fail. He only sets you up to win victorious warfare. It is impossible if we are striving to be obedient, not perfect because we're not perfect, but striving even for perfection, striving for obedience, it is impossible to in the end find out we lost. It's impossible. God only 
for lack of a better term, makes winners. He causes people to endure to the end. He gives us his grace and he gives us his peace. Peace. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Peace. Irene. Freedom from worry. The late James Boyce in his commentary in Philippians says this, Grace is the unmerited and abounding favor of God towards men, and peace is the result of that favor. It is the result of the reconciliation of man and God through Jesus' death. Peace obtained at the cross of Christ. The first and foremost place that we have peace, if we're in Christ Jesus, if we are a servant of and we are a saint in Christ Jesus, we have peace first and foremost with God the Father. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the work of Christ on my behalf, I have peace with God. You have peace with God. Do you have peace with God today? Jesus' peace is nothing like the world's peace. We know this. You know, I may have, you know what? You know what would bring an assemblance of peace into my life? $600 million. Right? Wouldn't it yours too? Why 600? Because that's just the number I like. Right? Hey, listen, right now if I had 1500 bucks, it would be wonderful. How many of us said that would, I'd have a, oh, a sense of peace. This hurdle in front of me would be taken care of. See, the peace that Jesus gives is so much better than any of that. Jesus, one of his last words with his disciples on the night of his arrest. He's in the upper room of them and he says this in John 14. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace. See, that my peace. A peace that is separate from the world. A peace that only comes from God the Father. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. What's the result of that? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If I realize I have the peace of God and I have the peace of Christ, then it is up to me to not let my hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. Jesus words to us, a greeting, the salutation to his children. Whenever we come to him, if you have completely forgotten who you are, if you have forgotten that you are a servant of Christ Jesus and that you are a saint in Christ Jesus, then you've royally messed up. You can come to the Lord Jesus Christ without fear. He doesn't ever go off. Forget it. That's it. I've had enough of it. That's three strikes, you're out. You know, that's man. God doesn't say three strikes and you're out. Now, granted, Scripture is very clear. If we have a repeated pattern where we just never want to change, then we have never were in Christ Jesus. We never were a servant of Christ Jesus. That'll be proven in our actions. But how many of us walk around with guilt 
How many of us are afraid to deal with issues in life? Deal with our own self. Deal with what has happened to us in the past. Maybe something's been done to you. We've been really dealing with this in Good and Angry on Wednesday nights, and it is just powerful stuff. How many people walk around with a load of guilt, of fear, and of shame, never realizing because they don't go to the scriptures, and they don't go to the Father, that when I come to him in my brokenness and my hurtingness, that's a new word, hurtingness, um, when I come with a broken and a contrite spirit, that I will hear the words, grace and peace. Now, do I actually hear the words? No, I don't hear anything from God, actually. The Spirit, with my spirit, lets me know. Well, next time you pray, why don't you just visualize? And that's not being weird. I'm not trying to be weird and charismatic and all that. You know what? You know me by now. But just visualize you coming. You're, you're having your time of devotion or, or you've messed up or whatever it would be. And you just sit down and you have God's word and you're ready to pray. And just visualize God's going, grace and peace. What a way to, you know, don't you want to talk to somebody who says, I'm inviting you in, that my favor is upon you? No wonder it's such an affront to God that we don't talk to him. Because the Bible says, who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Moreover than that, he is the one who is the judge. If you're his child, if you are a servant of Christ and you are a saint, in Christ Jesus, he will always at every time say grace and peace. David Paulison writes this. The darkest thing you ever did, the most horrifying thing that ever happened to you, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ, Romans 8.35. Into the nightmare of self-laceration, Come shining reasons for gratitude, joy, and purpose. A voice of mercy takes the microphone and silences the cruel voices of condemnation. You don't need to deny anything. You can look it all in the face, yet you do not need to despair. Let me say it again. Even when self-condemnation is merciless, the Father of all mercies has mercy for people who need mercy. He is mercy. And I love this. And he comes in person looking for you. Man, God has displayed that from day one. Adam, where are you? Eric, where are you? Put your name. Where are you? Grace and peace. You are a servant of Christ Jesus, a saint in Christ Jesus, who always from your heavenly Father, if indeed you really are a servant of and a saint in Christ Jesus, you hear grace and peace. We need to, as children of God, let that grace and that peace dwell in our hearts.
Colossians 3.15, and we'll close with this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We're in a world that is devoid of peace. There is no peace. Now, what's the old, uh, I heard the bells on, on Christmas morn, and I bowed my head in despair. There is no peace on earth, I said. There's no peace on earth. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. Anybody's going to tell you, we've got to have this law, and we've got to have this thinking, and it's all looking for peace. And No, it's not going to happen in this world. It can't happen in this world. Peace, true peace, belongs only to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And he's called you into it. Live in the grace and the peace, which is let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be One of the ways to manifest the grace and the peace of God in your life is to be thankful. Just start being thankful. Being grateful. Beloved ones, are you a servant of Christ Jesus? Are you a saint in Christ Jesus? And do you know that you hear the words grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? It's my prayer that you do that motivates you, that lives in you. And if you're not sure, please, please come talk to me. Settle the issue. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you, you've called us out of darkness as we read today and into your glorious light. You've called us away from the passions of our former life to live a life that is holy, set apart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, in this world, we have trials and tribulations. You've made that clear. And so, Father, we ask for your grace and your peace that we would stand the test and that we would walk in the titles of which you give us, servant and saint, knowing that they bring only to us grace and peace in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God, to let the grace and the peace of Christ dwell in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please don't forget about VBS after we close in the song. God bless you all. Let us stand for doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.